Our Father in God, we are so grateful that we can stand before the God of the universe who graciously has given us not only his Son for salvation, but the Word of God in print, that we can read it and understand who you are and what you require of man. We are so grateful for the freedom that we have in this country, for the many who have sacrificed to make it possible for this freedom to still exist. We are so grateful that Christ is still building his church. And we are so grateful, Father, for you working in our lives through the Holy Spirit who has been given to believers. And we pray that none of us would be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we would remember that it is the power of God. That, Father, we would remember in the world that we are living in what really is the priority. Father, time goes by so fast. We pray and ask that you'd help us to redeem the time, to make the best of the time that you've given us for the glory of God. And I pray now, Father, and ask as we continue to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ and reflect on how things even happened in this country 10 years ago, we pray, Father, that you would work among hearts, that, Father, this would not just be an emotional moment, but, Father, that lives would be changed for the glory of God. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. As we have already said to you, uh, and the title of this morning's message is God's Solution to Those Without Hope. And you may be sitting there, I have hope, and there may be many people that are in the world today that are professing hope when in reality, in their hearts, it's different. And that's an interesting perspective that we can all understand if we just are honest with ourselves that many see the outside, but they really don't know what the thinking of the individual is or what's going on in people's hearts and minds and what they really believe and whether they really are secure or whether they really have hope. But I'm telling you, the world is in desperate need of God's solution. And we have talked about the fact that today we're centered on communion. That is the primary focus, but we are also, as our nation is reflecting on the occurrences of 9-11 in 2001, we are caused to think back there. But also, one of my objectives as a pastor, and as I have studied and prepared for the service this morning and its structure and so forth, has been to cause all of us, starting with me right here in the pulpit, to go back and do a self-evaluation. Think about today's conditions. The economy is very, very difficult. I spoke with someone as late as 10.30 last night who has been out of work and just got a job and Monday is interviewing and will probably, this happens to be my brother-in-law, who happen, happens to be, I believe, going to be offered a full-time position back again. And he said to me his objective was to work five years more. But he said, and I quote, with this economy, I will probably have to work till I'm 90 though I hope I don't get there. All right? The economy is difficult. The job market is tough right now. And if you don't think so, you ought to be thankful you have a job if you have a job, and we ought to stop complaining about whatever it is we're doing. The morality in this country is almost non-existent. Stop kidding yourself, Christians. Christianity is 
the worst offender of having accepted the world so they don't even recognize how far the morality has gone in this country, in the world. The family has been redefined. It is weak at best. Weak. It's even hard to find just one family with a father and a mother and with the children who are even interested. Everybody is scattered everywhere, and everybody's accepting the world's definitions of what a family is. The concerns seem to be for multiculturalism. Nobody wants to offend anybody, including Christians. Don't want to be offensive to anyone in the right way. We are concerned with people pleasing. In fact, I would render, having been through the scriptures just this past week, going over Proverbs and the fear of God and the fear of man, I would say to you that there are more people that are fearing what men are going to think of them than they are of the fear of God. The evidence is the condition our country is in and the conditioned lives are in. The concern is not righteousness. The concern is not truth. In fact, we are living in a day and age in which people are saying there is no truth. We are not thinking about God-pleasing other than intellectually. Government is absolutely corrupt. That's no news. Always has been. We are facing a new election coming up. Natural disasters are everywhere. They've always been around, but you're seeing it. Flooding, you're seeing uh, fires, earthquakes, all kinds of things are happening. Bottom line, folks, it's not a very good picture in my personal opinion. What is the world's solution to it? The world's solution is, number one, save the environments. Save it. We are now living, in case you're not aware of it, and your head is someplace else, we are living in the green planets, in which everything has got to be green, no matter what you're talking about. You look at your products, that's all the concern Christians have bought into it. We are in a situation where there is more regulation of everything. If anything happens to anyone, a regulation is coming. If somebody chokes on a peanut, there is going to be a new regulation. Now, I may, may be extreme, and you might think I'm a fool, but I'm telling you that is the truth. I don't know how my generation survived without helmets, without knee pads, without, uh, you know, plastic this. I was in a crib that was this wide, stuck my head through it. I'm still here. It, on and on it goes. That's reality, folks. And by the way, I won't take the time for this, but Proverbs makes it very clear. The reason we need more princes, check it out in Proverbs 28, is because there's lawlessness and people are regulating and now you need more princes to regulate the laws. There is more litigation going on today and the advertisement for litigation, if you cough in the wrong direction, they want you to sue. Don't offend anybody. Create more programs. Tolerate every religion in the world. You don't think that's true? That's where we're at. And yet, isn't it interesting 
that there is still more sin in the world and more crime. And if you don't think so, Lawrence is not too far away that just had some murders last week. We are seeing it in our newspapers. We are seeing it on the TV set constantly. Don't believe what I'm saying. Look at the world you're living in. Is the world solving it? There is a total lack of respect for authority. You're not going to like this, but it's true. There is a total lack of respect and interest in the local church. I will say this, and if you're honest and know how to study, check it out. 90% of the references in Scripture to the church is local church. Everybody's talking universal, and everybody's doing their own thing, and we're almost back to where Kings was and Judges. Everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes with no accountability. People are leaving churches because there's no need for church. They want to go back and live like they did in Genesis. Even Jesus Christ didn't do that. He lived in the environment of Rome and lived with the circumstances that God allowed him to be in and stayed true to the word. The religious solution is give everybody what they want. Go out and survey. Why aren't you coming to church? Oh, well, we'll give you that. You don't think that's true? That is true. People want church the way it pleases, and they don't want anybody offended. It's called seeker-friendly. There is more God talk today, in my opinion, and less evidence of God in the life than there has ever been. You can disagree with that. That's okay. I hear people talking about God all the time in their walk with God, and I look and say, really? Any interest in this? No. Any interest in that? No. Too busy with this? Yes. But I'm walking with God. Well, how about this, Pastor Dan? What do you think about this? Well, I think the word says, I know that's what it says, but I'm going to do this anyway. Because this verse says this, out of context. There is less distinction between the world and the things of God. And if you think I'm naive or you don't think I'm saying what is true, you just look at the passages that talk about when Christ returns, what will it be like? And I begin to understand why he says, will there even be faith on the earth? There'll be a lot of professions. The sign of the end times is a lot of talk of godliness with no godliness. Timothy says it clear. Lack of respect for authority. Lack of respect for the family. Lack of respect for on and on it goes. But talking godlike. There's more interested in seminars and conference and technology and making people happy than there is in just studying the word of God and fellowshipping in the local church. That's a fact. What is God's solution? That's religion's solution. God's solution, my friend, to give it to you right away, is what we've been talking about. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It is a life of holiness. It is a life of suffering, and Christians don't like that. And it is, like it or not, no matter what the world's doing, it is the local church by his design. You wouldn't have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians if it wasn't instruction for them not to leave it, 
but how to function within a situation that was unbelievable with the things that were going on. On September 11th, 2001, because of what happened in New York City and the effect around the world, people flocked to church. They did. Government officials were praying on the steps of Congress. I saw it with my own eyes. Everybody was concerned for everybody else. We had prayer meeting. I think it was one of the largest attendances we had right after that, right in this room. Everybody began to examine their priorities, what really was important to them again. I said that night, and I did have a couple of people talk to me, that if we're not careful, what is going on right now will long be forgotten, and people are going to go right back to the way they were. You know what happened? Time has gone by, and people are right back to the routine. I haven't seen Congress praying on the steps since. In fact, today there was a, as you're well aware, in New York and so forth, there was a big discussion with all kinds of protests because they weren't even going to have prayer because they didn't want to offend any particular religion. That's a fact. I don't know all that happened, but I do know by God's grace, our president did quote scripture. It's fine to remember, but is that it? How about salvation? People come to salvation, that's 911. And what happens is there's a new zeal. They get excited. I just come to know Christ. They can't get enough of the word of God. They want to read. They want to pray. They want to learn how to pray. They want to go out and be with God's people. They want to come to the local church. Things are important and so forth. Time goes by. They really got it all together. We know. Knowledge is increased. And everybody begins to understand things. And all of a sudden, I don't have need for that anymore. I don't have need for that anymore. No, I got my own schedule. I haven't got time for this. I haven't got time for that. And all of a sudden, even the salvation's drifted off, and we're right back into the world. You don't think that's true? Let me tell you something about education, by the way. You can check me out, and there will be some people in this audience that will, and I'm glad for that. If I'm not mistaken, Stalin, before he was where he was, was a seminary student, folks. Look at the life of Marx before he got where he was. He did a dissertation on the scriptures. Did you know that? Knowledge is nothing. It only gives you information and sometimes makes you more accountable. When time goes by, we become more critical. We get back into the old habits of sin. You think it's different for them? Peter wanted to go back to fishing. The Lord left. It wasn't too long after that. He wanted to go back to fishing. Timothy got uh, had to be stirred up because he was concerned about what other people were thinking, and he had to be told, look, will you stir that gift up and get going and do what you're supposed to be doing? Titus had to be told, didn't I leave you there in Crete? Look, put in order what you're supposed to be doing. Why? He had drifted away. The whole book of Hebrews 
was professing Christians who wanted to go back to the way things were. They wanted to go back and live like the law and so forth. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, what are you doing? You've got Christ. There isn't anything else. Go on and live for him. Don't go back to that. I could go on and on. What was the purpose of the Passover, this communion service? Yes, to remember. Why? If we remember 9-11 and it has no effect, it's useless. And by the way, that's where our country is today. People talk about World War II. They talk about the Korean War. They talk about Vietnam. Uh, well, we're not there anymore. Pearl Harbor, okay, well, let's celebrate that. Yeah, 911, let's celebrate that. And then five minutes later, we don't need the military. Let's cut the budget on the military. Don't worry about defense. And all we get interested in is our own interest until something happens. Same thing's true. The people of Israel, they forgot. They were supposed to not only remember the Passover, but it was supposed to affect the way they lived so that they would be different. This communion service that we're going to observe in a few moments is great. It's a good reminder, but it ought to take us back to our salvation, not just to get it in our memory, but so that the memory says, where am I supposed to be? I've been bought with a price. Where's my life? Folks, I'll say this to you. 911 was 10 years ago. How fast did those 10 years go? You are 10 years closer, you and I, to being in the presence of God. Where will you be 10, minute, 10, uh, 10 minutes from now? That's true, but 10 more years. You're just going to look back and throw another 10 years away? What's the solution here? What's the solution? We need to get back to the cross. We need to get back to holy living. We need to get back to a life of suffering, not compromise with the world. We need to get away from the message of the world and realize that the world is the enemy of Christ. We need to see where the local church comes in. In our context of chapter 4, very quickly, and I need to... I haven't got enough time for this message that I really want to give you because of the other things you want to do. But in chapter 4, Paul was under attack. His message was under attack. In chapter 3, he says believers are part of the new covenant. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're supposed to be living epistles. That's chapter 3. And his defense and solution to the lost and dying world is basically to get back to the cross. That's what it is. Get back to the cross of Jesus Christ. Notice the we. The light given to believers is the solution. Look at chapter 4. Since we have this ministry, as we have received, we do not lose, but we have renounced. It goes on in verse 2. Truth commending ourselves, and even if our gospel, verse 5, for we do not preach, Paul included himself. The solution to the world, first of all, is the life of a believer. What is that life supposed to be like? He starts with a conclusion based on the fact of the new covenant. Based on the fact that we don't have a veiled message, it's unveiled. I haven't got the time to go into all of that. It's an open message, and our lives are to be open to everybody. All true believers have this ministry. 
we are called to the ministry of because why? Number one, we've received the mercy. We've received the mercy. We understand the cross. We've been given forgiveness. And it is only the mercy of God that brings forgiveness. We are not to lose hope, he says, or lose heart. We're not to be despaired. We're not to quit. We're not to be shaken. We look around at the world, and even believers are talking about the things that I talked about, the economy, the earthquakes, and this and that, and loss of job. And you look at their lives, and it's like they're falling apart. What am I going to do? Walk with Christ. Doesn't matter if the trees are barren. It doesn't matter whether you lose your job. I understand in a practical sense we need to get by. The world is supposed to see through that that you are different and you have the joy of Christ in your heart and you can walk with him no matter what happens. People will fail you. Leaders will fail you. Listen, you will fail you. And if you don't think that's true, your pride is so big, you're not going to get out of this building when you leave. There are some believers who think they are always right. And they do it in a way to make them look humble. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution. Paul's message to them was listen to the believers before we get to the cross there. He said, we renounce the things that are hidden because of shame. Not walking in craftiness. We don't adulterate the word of God. It is what it says. We don't manifest, but rather we manifest truth. The world doesn't think there's truth. There is. Then he says we commend ourselves, get this now, to everyone's conscience. Not only is ours clear, but we're, we'll walk in such a way that even the other's conscience we're concerned about. He uses the word renounce. That means to speak out against. He doesn't ignore it. Paul never ignored the problems of his day. If you ignore the most significant problems of the day that you're living in, you have not done what God has wanted you to do. We want to ignore it. Certainly not speak out against it. There's no room for a hidden life. How I could give a message on that one. How many men and women have hidden lives? They don't even want their spouses to know about or the people at work and certainly don't want the people at church to know about. If your conscience is convicted of that right now, you're not walking as a Christian. You're kidding yourself. It says we manifest. He uncovers. He reveals truth. That is the responsibility, not just for the Apostle Paul, but we are not to have a life that is hidden and like the rest of the world, but we are to have a life that manifests the truth, that makes it visible, that shows it to the world, that reveals it, that uncovers, that is not afraid to speak up for the truth. And we commend ourselves. It's a life of integrity, a life of sincerity to all people. I happened to officiate a game yesterday. My life had better be such that when the officials see me on the field, they see me the same way they do as if I'm standing in this pulpit. And it's consistent. And it should be true with your life as well. 
and the consistency should be to always want to honor Christ. And then we have the good news in verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, that's what the good news is. That's not what the world brings as a message. They want multiculturalism. They want everybody happy. They want everybody to accept everything that comes along. We have the real good news. And listen, folks. It is absolutely foolishness. That's what the word of God says to the Gentile. When you talk about Jesus Christ and him being crucified, and we are trusting in a Savior that has died on a cross, it doesn't even make sense. And the world thinks you're a fool. No wonder. By the way, I gave that assignment, and I am now the enemy of the juniors and seniors of the school. But that's okay that he was referring to. And by the way, I, just how I have to be aware of things, someone said, Facebook, can I do it on Facebook? Absolutely not. Go face-to-face. -face. Never mind Facebook. Face-to-face -face is what I wanted for the answers. But my point is, you'll be amazed at what's out there, folks. We have good news, and the world doesn't want it. If you walk up to somebody and say, do you want to go to heaven, what do you expect for an answer? Now try this approach. Do you realize that you're in sin? What? You're on your way to hell. You kidding? Someone said to me that they were starting to ask the questions and the person left. You know why? Conviction. They didn't know the answers. They couldn't handle it. God? Heaven? Hell? Goodbye. That's the message that we got. It's good news because we are lost. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. That's a stumbling block to the Jews. And if they're blind, realize that they're blind naturally, but the text says also that they are blind by Satan. And let me get right to the heart of the issue. Our message is the light of the gospel. That's verses 5 and 6. For we do not preach ourselves. Do you see the way I walk? Do you see my life? Do you see this? No. My church, my family, my this, my that isn't about you at all. Isn't about me at all. We don't preach ourselves. We ought not to be preaching Fellowship Bible Church. We ought to be preaching Christ Jesus as Lord. There's a lot of people that want to talk about Jesus Christ as a friend. They want to talk about him as a nice ticket, a nice guy, a nice teacher, a moral man. How many do you know that really want to be told that Jesus Christ is Lord and without him there is no salvation? That's our message. And that is the desperate message that this world needs. That there's not many ways of salvation, there's only one. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. Christ is Lord, and then we ourselves are to be servants to everybody. And if God opens up, verse 6, the understanding of Son, he's the only one that can do that. He is going to show the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility, folks, is to give forth the gospel, the word of God, and go back to the cross because that's where we got changed. And that's what we That's our message. Cross of Jesus Christ. We ought to show mercy. We're to have the right message, folks. We're to sow the seed. And don't worry about the results. What gives us the victory is our faith, we're told in John. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The world today, the United States of America, is desperately trying to remember 9-11, and tomorrow they will go their way. 
and the papers on Monday and Tuesday and the news on Monday and Tuesday will show the evidence. But too many Christians go to the cross of Jesus Christ, observe the Lord's table, and say thank you and forget that that is the message we have for the world, the truth in our lives. Christ took our place. Let me close with the verse that Chris already referred to. Turn with me to this, and then we'll show the video, and i got a couple more comments. Galatians chapter 6. If 9-11 is just a memory, if the cross of Jesus Christ is just a memory in your life, and it's not affecting your life for Christ, then we need to go back, first of all, whether you're a believer. We need to go back as to whether 9-11 had any significance other than just a thought. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. May it never be that I would boast. Where was Paul's boast? Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we have no communion. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we have no salvation. And he says this. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Before we look at this video, and then we'll have communion. And it's going to be a full morning this morning, folks. But let me ask you this. Believers, are you really crucified to the world? Or are you a friend of the world? Oh, we live in the world. And the world is crucified to me? If you belong to Jesus Christ, you've been bought with a price. And everything that this communion represents, God has left us here to be a light to the world. Ask yourself, am I living for Christ? As we go to the video, I thought that this was an appropriate one. It was sent in to us. We had a chance to look at it. It's a few minutes, but it's a story. You'll be self-explanatory. It was done by a son, the son of this pilot, as a assignment, actually, for college. But let's show the video quickly. I'll make a few comments, then we'll have communion. I think we're showing it. You can dim the lights.
I know we've gone over a little bit, but I think that's very appropriate, not only in commending what happened on, remembering what happened on 9-11, but if you notice, that was New England. That had an effect on his life because he experienced it, but he came back to the same thing. He's now numbering his days and living with urgency, fellow believer, as we're about to take communion, are we living with that same urgency? We need to be. And if you're here today and you haven't trusted in Christ, Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life. The only hope that you have for forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. He was the only one that was qualified. Trust in him and you'll have salvation and forgiveness of sins. The elders will come forward for a partake of communion.
as so vividly portrayed in what you saw in the video, on September 10th, nobody knew it was coming September 11th. The pilot that you heard about, Tom, was celebrating his birthday with his family. He didn't know it was coming September 11th. As you sit there in that pew or stand in the back, are you ready that this is your last day? Can you go to bed with full assurance that you know that you would be in Christ's presence for all eternity? If you're partaking of these elements, you should have that assurance. We have no assurance of tomorrow. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. We were not qualified. All men are sinners and come short of the glory of God. But the only qualified person, the only one sent from God, the Lord Jesus Christ, sinless, satisfied the righteousness of God in offering himself as a spotless lamb in our place. But if that only has a remembrance to us this morning and does not give us an urgency to live for Christ, then we're wasting our days. I trust that we'll look at the cross and the power of the cross and be thankful that Christ was a substitutionary sacrifice, but then we'll really see ourselves as crucified to the world and the world crucified to us that we might live for the glory of God as living epistles seen and read of all men. Drink this in remembrance of him. Uh, yeah, Paul, well, no, Paul gets it because he got my keys. He'll, he'll take it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put that in there. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you're right. I forgot. <laughs> 